Hello and welcome to the Undroppables Playbook, a football podcast. With your hosts, Ashley and Michael, please sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Undroppables Playbook, a football podcast presented by the Undroppables and sponsored by Analyst Deep. I am one of your hosts, Ashley. This is my lovely co-host, Michael Duncan. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm good. I was ready much earlier, so we got to hang out and watch a little bit of She-Hulk. But we had a show last week that we filmed early. You did go to the Phillies game. How was that experience? Well, I have a fun fact for you. Uh, There have been three no-hitters in the history of all of postseason baseball, you know, going Mm -hmm. back in the 1800s. Two of them have taken place at Citizens Bank Park that opened in 2004. I was at the uh, less fun one for Phillies fans. So, yeah, wasn't. Yeah, that no, wasn't. It, it wasn't. I mean, the, it, wasn't it was fun. It was until it wasn't. Yeah, it was so, history. And then, yeah, and then not in your favor, though. It's OK. At least we don't have an asterisk. Yeah, at least you're not an Astros fan because I could not deal with that. I was I was rooting for the Phillies for you. So my heart hurts less than yours does, but still hurts for you. That makes it's appreciated. Sense. Of course. But let's jump into it. We do have a a lot to go over today and most of it is news. There is a, a good amount of news that happened in this past week. Um, so I just wanted to start out with a odd tidbit that came out today that says that Steelers running back Jalen Warren is expected to see more touches this week. Uh, Tomlin was asked if the Steelers have considered giving Warren a bigger role. And he said, quote, you know, he's a quality back that's made some plays. We'll keep giving him an opportunity to do so. And maybe he'll write that script. Um, And that was amid reports that were coming out this week about, you know, Najee Harris maybe getting a little bit less work as he's been fairly under producing this year he's been bad yeah i didn't want to say that i did but yeah he's been pretty bad yeah not good and like there was a little bit of writing on the wall at the end of last season but i think part of it too was just like oh maybe it's just because ben's the quarterback maybe it's because of the line but the offensive line has made a lot of improvement and Najee harris has not and he's used a lot in a blocking role more than a running back so i just I don't know what they what's going on there if he's maybe just not good or if it's just not working with the Steelers but it seems that we're expecting this week to look different for that that Steelers running back room yeah we'll see Najee Harris has not been good though no I stand by um Yeah, so also news, OBJ, lots to talk about OBJ. OBJ had an interview with Complex recently. He did name drop four different teams. The quote said, quote, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's Green Bay calling, the Cowboys or reunion with the Giants, I want to be able to spend my last, not saying I only got three or four left, but these next three or four years into something where I can buy a home. Like I can call this place home. I'm tired of living out of two, out of, two week suitcases. I've done this rock and I've done this rock and roll life. It's worded very weird. You um, that. Thank you. Like... But it's like worded weird. Like my, I, the way he said, I know I have that quote, right. And the way he said that is just odd. So it doesn't feel right when I say it. Um, but uh, some of those teams he named, you know, the Packers obviously need wide receivers, 
Von Miller has seemed adamant about trying to get OBJ to go to the Bills. Jerry Jones was quoted on his radio talk show saying that the Cowboys star would look, quote, pretty good on OBJ. And Giants general manager Joe Shane mentioned on the Tiki and Tierney uh, morning show that the Giants organization has been in contact with OBJ's representatives. And it's something that maybe could possibly happen depending on where he's at in his rehab and a bunch of other factors. But those seem to be the teams that he's leaning towards and organizations that are open to having him. Next, Kirk Cousins looks cool. for the. I did write for the first time in his life um, with that video of him on Not the plane. Wrong. Did you? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, The Raiders released their 2019 first round draft pick safety, Jonathan Abram. Raiders tried to move him via a trade, but it wasn't able to happen. The, I wanted to put this in here. These are all the Raiders first round draft picks from 2019 to 2021 and where they are now. In 2019, they drafted Clellan Farrell. They declined his fifth year option. In 2019, they drafted Josh Jacobs and declined his fifth year option. In 2019, was Jonathan Abram, he got cut. Uh, in 2020, Damien Arnett cut. In 2020, Henry Ruggs cut and in jail. 2021, Alex Leatherwood cut. The Packers have claimed Jonathan Abram off of waivers, but that's not a good look for the Raiders. I mean, having all of your first-round draft picks pan out like this is not the key to success. Yeah, I mean, the only one there that, like, Josh Jacobs probably deserves to have his fifth-year option. Yeah buddies are running back yeah so if that's the only one then that's not actually all that valuable yep and i understand why they didn't pick up fifth year options with an entire new regime there um but still at least no, one of those still should good. still be on your roster it's not like these are picks from like 2012 they're recent draft picks yeah it's not good so uh, a major announcement will take place tomorrow regarding the Washington Commanders. D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine released a statement. It said media advisory tomorrow, A.G. Racine to hold press conference to make to make major announcement regarding the Washington Commanders. Racine has been heading the investigation into the sexual harassment and workplace misconduct and culture going on at the Commanders. I did want to read shortly before this um, episode, the commanders did release a statement. It is a little bit lengthy, so bear with me, but I I think it bears reading. Um, It says, less than three months ago, a 23-year-old player on our team was shot multiple times in broad daylight. Despite the out-of-control violent crime in D.C., today the Washington commanders learned for the first time on Twitter that D.C. Attorney General will be holding a press conference to, quote, make a major announcement related to the organization tomorrow. The commanders have fully cooperated with the AG's investigation for nearly a year. As recently as Monday, a lawyer for the team met with the AG who did not suggest at that time that he intended to take any action and in fact revealed fundamental misunderstandings of the underlying facts. It is unfortunate that in his final days in office, Mr. Racine appears more interested in making splashy headlines based on offbeat legal theories rather than doing the hard work of making the streets safe for our citizens, including bringing to justice the people who shot one of our players. I don't know why they had to bring that into this, but. I mean, it was just a stupid statement. Like, yeah, they're just trying to save face. They're trying to put his bat like they're they're clearly they're not happy with whatever he's going to say tomorrow would be my guess. So they're trying to get out ahead of it and make him look bad prior to that happening. I mean, that would be my guess. But honestly, I don't I can't say I even fully understood the statement. Like, I mean, I like I read it. I understood it. But like, I don't really see the point of it in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. 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 Not a ton of was... on that until yeah. I think we hear 
yeah exactly so i'm not gonna make much comment except for the fact that i don't think they had to bring brian robinson into it um obviously next week we'll have a lot more understanding of what the ag is bringing up um do you want to tell us a little bit about what was going on with russell wilson and p carroll or did we want to just gloss over? uh yeah I, i mean i can um basically Pete Carroll said something along the lines of, you know, Geno Smith is wearing a wristband and it's helped the like it's helped their offense smooth out, uh, Mm -hmm. comparing it to past years of the offense. And I guess issues that they may or may not have had. Uh, Russell Wilson was asked about the comments uh, this past week uh, today, actually earlier today on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Um, And his quote was, I don't know exactly what he said, but we want to we won a lot of games without one on the wrist. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know winning or losing mattered whether you wore a wristband or not, but I think do whatever it takes to make sure that we're rolling and moving and everything else. A few times I've definitely worn a wristband depending on the game plan and what we've called and all that stuff. Um, Carol's exact quote apparently was that there had been resistance to wearing wristband in the past. Uh, Didn't specifically name Russ, but that was implied. Uh, Just kind of weird and unnecessary, but also definitely speaks to the tension that seemed was gathering between the two of them in particular yeah. as Russ wanted to cook and Pete, maybe rightfully so said, no, please don't. Yeah. Uh, because, because that's Russ not working not out so well. Yeah. No, he set fire to the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and then why don't you also go ahead and tell us the, the big, big piece of news that's gone on over the past two days. Yeah. So the big thing, um, so, you know, less than a week after I got done, I think a pretty long, you know, thoughtful statement about how I thought that Jim Irsay would let Frank Reich go to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and less than a week after uh, Jim Irsay saying that he was not going to fire Frank Reich, he fired Frank Reich uh, on Monday. Uh, yeah, so leading up to the firing, the Colts had lost only three games in a row. Uh, sorry, the Colts had lost three games in a row, totaling only 29 points. And honestly, I stand by everything else I said last week about Frank Reich. I think he's a very good head coach. I think he's probably going to be a head coach again very soon. Um, But that wasn't the overly surprising part. The more surprising part is really who they hired as the head coach. They had multiple uh, head coaches on staff already. Um, I have the names somewhere. They are on here. I have them on here. Um, The Colts bypassed two former NFL head coaches already on staff, Gus Bradley and John Fox, and a rising head coaching candidate in Bubba Ventrone. Yeah, and they did that to hire Jeff Saturday, who, if you don't know who he is, he is a former NFL center, uh, six Pro Bowls, I think one All-Pro, and Super Bowl champion with Peyton Manning. Um, was a big part of that Peyton Manning era uh, in Indianapolis. Um, you know, great offensive lineman. Uh, no NFL, uh, no NFL coaching experience, and also no college coaching experience. Very bizarre. Uh, very odd. You know, at first I was kind of like taken aback, like most people. Uh, but then, you know, I kind of chalked it up to I don't know. Maybe Ursa just wants to like sell tickets and he doesn't think this is going to go on for longer than a year like whatever like is eight games and done Mm -hmm. but then the press conference happened felt like an episode of the office yeah that was bad um it was really bad 
Uh, so I'm, I know we have some of the quotes here. Where's the one that I was looking for? Also, uh, before yeah. you get into the quotes, I just did want to mention that the Rooney rule does not apply to an interim head coach during the season. It applies after the conclusion What's of the, the team season. Rule? The Rooney rule is having to interview, um, coaches of color for the job opening. It's to try and create diversity. I believe it's three coaches of color from outside of your own organization, I think that's oh, the exact oh, they, Yeah, did they up it? I know yes. it used to be one, but yeah. I, I, think, it's, I think it was after it. last season up to three. Um, so that Rooney yeah. rule does not apply when picking an interim head coach during the season. They yeah. do, if they decide to hire the person that they do have as interim, then they do still have to fulfill, fulfill that Rooney rule before hiring that coach as a full-time. So they do have to interview yeah. other candidates, even say if Jeff Saturday, they want to keep him on, they still have to interview coaches to fulfill the Rooney rule yeah um yeah so yeah some of those uh quotes this this one might be my favorite um mm -hmm. i'm glad he doesn't have an nfl experience said jim ursay um and he's glad that uh jeff saturday hasn't learned the fear nfl coaches have and then goes on to take a shot at analytics um i just don't get it uh what feet like that that first of all we we went a lot into the discourse of our analytics mm -hmm. last week i'm not gonna rehash it it's stupid and people are morons it's literally just math yep but even more so that feels like a very backward statement mm -hmm. uh and i was like okay you know i'm not gonna let him speak for uh jeff saturday but then jeff saturday today um he said uh asked his theory on um, fourth down work after Frank Reich was a generally aggressive coach. He said, I'm an O-lineman, bruh. I work awfully hard to get points. I'm going to take points. It's a hard living in there, man. Yeah, bruh. I, I like Jeff Saturday. Mm -hmm. But he's a head coach now. Yeah. So that's dumb. That's a yeah. really dumb answer because you're just throwing out tons of data that suggests that is completely the wrong approach. In so many ways, that is such a flawed way of thinking. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's super dumb. I really hate it. Uh, Maybe he can... would learn what analytics actually mean if he had any coaching experience. Yeah. He has none. It's the first time. Well, no, he has coaching experience. He just doesn't have coaching experience. In high experience school, at the sorry. College. Yes, he doesn't have coaching yes. experience at the college or NFL level. And that's history. Uh, I don't think any head coach before has never had from either of those two levels. But... Yeah, my favorite too was that um, Jim. Uh, it says that Jim Irsay called Jeff Saturday to hire him during the Colts' loss on Sunday. He's adamant that they didn't discuss uh, taking the job when Saturday was in Indy for the Week Eight Ring of Honor ceremony, but he called him during the loss. I guess wasn't seeing what he was liking on the field, and then that was his first choice was just to call Jeff right away. It's. So, like, beside the fact that Jeff Saturday is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, there is just mm -hmm. so many underlying issues with what's going on in Indianapolis. Like, yep. Jim Irsay is I, – I, I had respect for him, and I think mm -hmm. I even said that last week. I yep. take all of that back. Um, he, with the, he has proved now very consistently over the past year, and uh, Benjamin Solak over at The Ringer wrote an incredible article about this. Um, 
but he has proved that he's very erratic and has just made consistently bad decisions since specifically the loss to Jacksonville in week seven, week 18 last year. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I went back to watch our clip from last week and you said that he is not impulsive. That was literally like the yep, words yep. we used is that he's not impulsive. He's going to take his time with this. And then. All yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, I was wrong. I, I, yeah. I, I, I impulsive still might not be their best word. Erratic mm -hmm. is probably a better word because the things that he's doing just don't really make sense with what he should be trying to accomplish. Um, mm -hmm. He was, he forced his own, like, like he forced his own head coach to start the rookie quarter or the young quarterback. I forget if Ellinger is actually a rookie um, start the young quarterback and bench Matt Ryan. That was not Frank Reich's call. Mm -hmm. Apparently he was the last on board with it. Whatever. I don't know the exact. Yeah. I wasn't yep. in the room, but he basically forced his hand there. He fired the offensive coordinator as if that was going to do anything. Um, Like it's just, and then, and then a week after saying that he that he was not going to fire him, he fired him, and it's just it's very very bizarre. And also says that Brand, uh, uh, the Chris Ballard, the GM, his job is completely safe, and that's just like utter and complete BS. Because especially mm -hmm. like part of the reason Frank Reich is here, which by the way, what he's done in five years with five different quarterbacks or five or more quarterbacks is incredible, and the consistency he's had as an offense is really 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 impressive. Mm -hmm. Then you throw in the fact that this GM has literally come out and said, yeah, if I draft a rookie quarterback, I'm going to be the first one on the chopping block because mm -hmm. it's a young team and whatever. And it's like, okay, you're kind of right. But now look at the position you put the team in and somehow you're yeah. not the one losing. Like, it's just it is, it is such a collection of choices and decisions that are being made that make no logical sense toward no. what they're trying to accomplish. And it's all capped off by hiring this dude that is basically his buddy. Like Jeff Saturday mm -hmm. literally said, he asked Jim Mercer, why am I a candidate for this job? He didn't even try and sell himself. Yep. Like it's, it, it's, it, it One of my sense. favorite quotes from the press conference was when Jim Irsay said, quote, I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage, but I do know how to build a football team. I've been doing this for 50 plus years. Oh, I like the, um, hold on. Uh, here we go. Um, this, this was my favorite quote. Uh, when speaking about the fact that they have the, either the third or fourth most wins in the NFL since the year 2000, mm -hmm. he said, and I quote, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. Analytics. Yep. Uh, yeah. So that's good. Hear that one. Um, there's um there's some other yeah. stuff I do want to point out real quick. Um, the when they fired Frank Reich, there was nobody currently on staff who has called plays at an NFL level before. So they did have plays. a sorry offensive plays before. Um, so they decided to name Parks Frazier as the offensive play caller. He was previously the past game specialist slash assistant quarterbacks coach. Um, Tom Pelissero reported, I just pulled straight from his tweet that said Frazier was a quarterback at Northeast Mississippi Community College and Murray State. He was hired with the Colts in 2018 to help with practice plans, call sheets, and scripts. 
And then I did want to put in the quote from Frank Reich's reaction to it all. He was on Fox 59 slash CBS 4 Indy. Um, he said, it hurts. It hurts to have it happen in the middle of the season, but I understand the business side of things. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Mr. Earsay, and I've come to trust his instincts and the knowledge of the game. I know he's doing what he thinks is best for the team. I can live with that. I gave my heart and soul to the job, to the guys, to everything I did there. I didn't take anything for granted. I think you keep all of your uh, when he was asked about coaching again, he said, I think you keep all of your options open. Obviously, my desire is to be a head coach. I love everything about the game, so you keep all of your options open. I I love Frank Reich, and I think he'll be a head coach again. I hope he I hope he gets the opportunity. Like yeah. uh imagine him imagine in a world where they fired Cliff Kingsbury and hired Frank Reich. Ooh. I like that a lot, and I hope I like that, that happens. One too. I so like that. Uh, I do like yeah. that. Um, so this heading into this week, this week will be the first time we have a game in Munich, Germany. Also, there's a question if Ken Walker has a passport, which apparently he doesn't. Um, I hadn't seen any newer reports since the one I originally sent you, but yeah. apparently he didn't have a passport and was at risk for not making the game. I know you can get like emergency passports, especially in the NFL. I'm sure you can get them faster, but last I heard he didn't have a passport. So odd, whoever was in charge of the logistics, um, Left that one off their to-do list. Yeah. And for the players of the week this week, my eyes so itchy, I can't stop itching it. Um, the players of the week for the AFC on offense was Bengals running back Joe Mixon. On defense was Ravens linebacker Justin Houston. On special teams was Chargers kicker Cameron Dicker. Dicker the kicker. In the NFC on offense, Bears quarterback Justin Fields. On defense, Lions safety Kirby Joseph. And on special teams, Buccaneers punter Jake Camarda. Teams on by this week are the Ravens, Bengals, Patriots, and Jets. Anything you want to add before we head into the injury report? Dicker the kicker has played in two NFL games this season. He has mm -hmm. a game-winning field goal in both and was the yep. player of the week both times. Mm -hmm. He's awesome. I love First him. time was with the Eagles. Did Over. you see, oh my God, who was the, I sent it, hold on. We're going to have to put it on hold so I can open up TikTok. Let me lower the sound. But there was a video about one of his teammates. I just can't remember which one it was, who didn't know his name. Um, I believe that. It was, yeah. So Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy went into the game and had no idea what his name was. And he was asking guys on the bench, if you ever get a chance to look at it, it's on the Chargers official TikTok page. And Kyle Van Noy goes up to the guys on the bench and is like, what's this guy's name? Like, what's this guy's name? He's got confidence. I like him. And they're like, Dicker. And they're like, he's like, what? He's like, no, the kicker. And they're like, Dicker the kicker. That's his name. And then they show him hitting it. But Incredible. Oh, boy. Yep. So for injuries uh, for our quarterbacks, let's do it this way. Kyle Murray has a hamstring injury and is listed as day-to-day. -day. It came out today that Rams quarterback Matt Stafford is in concussion protocol. And Bills quarterback Josh Allen suffered an elbow injury on the last drive against the loss to the Jets this week. There's still not a lot of news on the injury itself other than, than that it's a UCL, which is your ulnar collateral ligament. Sean McDermott says he's day-to-day -day and says, quote, we'll see if he can play. If he doesn't, Case Keenum is the backup for the Bills. He did miss four games in an earlier season of his career. I forget which one uh, with mm -hmm. a very with a with an injury to his UCL. I don't know the severity yeah. of either of them and how they compare, but just throwing that yeah. out there. Yeah, and you could very clearly on the video see how that would really hurt and affect it. Yeah. It was his throwing arm, and he's going back to throw a pass, and his arm got bent in ways that an arm shouldn't bend. 
Four running backs. Bengals running back Chris Evans left the game with a knee injury. Lions running back Craig Reynolds left the game with a rib injury. Packers running back Aaron Jones left the game early on with an ankle injury. And Texans running back Damian Pierce was on the injury report today with a chest and shoulder injury and was limited at practice. Four wide receivers. Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman was placed. What? Craig Reynolds is uh, from where I live. Oh, like your town? Yeah, well, like right next to my town. Oh, okay. Like five minutes away. I like it. For wide receivers, Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman was placed on IR and will undergo season-ending foot surgery, so he is done for this year. Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas has been placed on IR and will have surgery on his toe. I know that idea was floated around last year when he was missing games. Staff does believe he will miss the rest of the season. Packers wide receiver Romeo Dabbs will miss some time with a high ankle sprain, and Packers wide receiver Christian Watson left the game with a concussion. For tight ends, um, Ravens tight end Mark Andrews got hurt last week, but he was inactive for Monday Night Football. I just wanted to mention that because last week we had said there was a good possibility that he plays, and he didn't end up playing. Um, Jaguars tight end Evan Ingram got a back injury during the game this week. For offensive line injuries, Falcons center Matt Hennessy has been placed on IR with a knee injury, the extent of which is unknown, so I I don't want to speculate on if he's done for the season or not. Saints center Eric McCoy left the game with a calf injury, and Cardinals offensive lineman Will Hernandez left the game with a chest injury. We do have a lot of uh, defense injuries, so just stick with me here. Cardinals safety Buda Baker is expected to miss several weeks with a high ankle sprain. Bears cornerback Kendall Vildor left the game early with an ankle injury. Viking safety Cameron Dantzler had an ankle injury this week. Kevin O'Connell says he's a long shot to play this week. Titans offensive linebacker Bud Dupree, uh, offensive, sorry, outside linebacker Bud Dupree left late in the game with a hip injury. Jets defensive tackle Shelson Rankins will miss around a month with a dislocated elbow. Lions safety Kirby Joseph left the game with a concussion and is in concussion protocol. Bengals safety Dax Hill left the game with a shoulder injury. Jaguars safety Rayshon Jenkins is in concussion protocol. Raiders linebacker Divine Diablo was placed on IR with a forearm injury. Bills cornerback Kair Elam left the game with an ankle injury. And Bills defensive end Gregory Russo left the game with an ankle injury, and he's expected to miss some time. Chargers defensive tackle Austin Johnson will miss the rest of the season with a knee fracture and MCL injury. Packers linebacker Rashawn Gary will miss the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Packers cornerback Eric Stokes left the game in the second quarter with an ankle and knee injury. And the Giants lost this week to the bye week uh, because Giants safety Xavier McKinney was injured over the bye week while sightseeing on a, while on a sightseeing tour, ATV tour in Cabo. McKinney did not confirm and actually refused to confirm if he was driving the ATV or was the passenger, but his injury did require surgery on his hand. He was placed on the non-football injury list and will miss at least four weeks, and it is somewhat expected that he might be out for the rest of the season. That's not good. No, it's not. I don't want to talk about it. I do want to talk about it, actually. So stupid. So stupid. Also, it violates your contract. All of the guaranteed money on your contract is... um, I would guess that's why he did not specify whether or not he was driving said vehicle. Yeah. Whether or not he was driving, it still invalidates a lot of his contract because you're not supposed to be doing things like that. Interesting. Yeah. Did you ever watch... um, What is it with... Dwayne the Rock Johnson Ballers, I think that's the name I did of it. not. 
Yeah, that is the name of it, but I never watched it. There was an episode like this where the guy went paintballing and rolled his and like broke his ankle while paintballing. And it's considered like a dangerous activity in season and you shouldn't do it. So interesting. Yeah. Anyway, 15 second frenzy. Yep. Let's do it. What's all right? Explain it to us again. All right. So I have 15 seconds uh, per matchup to tell you about every matchup, every game from this past week of NFL football. And Ashley will tell me. Uh, when, when I stop. am done. Uh, yeah, so as a note, uh, I was sick this weekend. I'm at the tail end of it. And I yep. do remember most of the early window of the NFL on Sunday through a fever dream. Uh, I had red zone on and I was in and out of sleep. So, so I this might, will be a fun 15 second I might, I might say things that didn't happen. Who knows? Imagine you just I, straight up lie during the 15 seconds. I don't know. We don't fact check here. No, let me just uh, shoot from the hip. Exactly. All, All right. right. I'll count you down. You ready? Ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. Eagles versus Texans. A weirdly close game, but also the best start in franchise history for the Eagles going to eight and no. Uh, Damian Pierce was 30, uh, was 27 for 139 yards and losing Jordan Davis is very scary for Philly's run game. And they're very bad at tackling. Also, the Houston had no wide Next. receivers. Colts versus the Patriots, the game that lost Frank Reich his job. They scored three points. Neither offense really did much, though, to be honest, because the Pats defense did enough for both of them. And for everyone, apparently, uh, the leading receiver on the Patriot, uh, Patriots was Hunter Henry with just 50 yards on the day. Next. Uh, Chargers versus Falcons. Dicker the kicker is two for two in game winning field goal attempts this season in two career games. Uh, the running game was the highlight here with both with Eckler, Algier and Patterson all performing very well. Kyle Pitts was overthrown seemingly 100 times on deep balls. But Josh Palmer, on the other hand, had a nice bounce back. Game. Next. Uh, Dolphins versus the Bears. The Bears didn't win, but Justin Fields had a comeback and set the NFL record for uh, quarterback rushing yards in a game with 178 breaking Mike Vicks. Fields is showing some growth, and it's nice to see that offense taking shape. Meanwhile, the Dolphins continue to fire on all cylinders. Next. Panthers versus Bengals. The score of 42 to 21 somehow makes this game look a lot closer than it actually was. Uh, Might have been a shutout until the Bengals just stopped caring on defense because the game was over. Joe Mixon had five total touchdowns and PJ Walker got benched. Rest in peace. Next Packers versus lions. The Packers are kind of horrible and kind of miserable and they're really not fun to watch whatsoever. Uh, Rogers doesn't look good. He doesn't look like the two time defending MVP and the Detroit defense. One of the worst in the league gave up only nine points. Packers need to fix their fix Next. their stuff. Uh, Bills versus Jets. I thought it was just my fever dream, but apparently the Jets really did beat the Bills. The defense played outstanding, and the Bills didn't have much to do as an answer. Um, as the Jets allowed Zach Wilson to not to basically just not lose the game for them. Arguably the worst signing the season for maybe the league's best team. And the Jets Next. showing that they aren't the same old Jets. Vikings versus Commanders. You like that? Kirk did. It was. I hate that already. That I said that. <laughs> It was probably closer than it should have been, but Kirk came through when it mattered and led the comeback to remain with the NFL's second best record. Heineke remained himself, which is fine and entertaining, I guess. Raiders versus Jaguars. The Raiders are an absolute mess, and honestly, I don't even really understand why. Individually, on a given week, you've got some parts that seem to be operating correctly, like Adams going off in the first quarter, but the overall performance of their team just isn't leading to wins. And it's very much underperforming for the talent I feel like they have. 
Uh, Seahawks versus the Cardinals. Kenneth Walker looked like he was going to have a fairly average day, but we're slowly learning that he has a bit of Derrick Henry or Marshawn Lynch in him in the way that he wears down a defense. And you can feel that going into the fourth quarter when everyone's just too tired to tackle him, leading to another very good game from him. On the Cardinal side, at least Rondell Moore is finally getting involved. Good job, Cliff. And uh, Rams versus the Buccaneers. What a boring, horrible game that was just no fun at all to watch. It legitimately put me back to sleep. Tom Brady threw the ball 58 times, and they only scored 16 points. One play from Cooper Cup made up the majority of the Rams offense and maybe the only play of the game that wasn't painful to watch. <sighs> Titans versus the Chiefs. Speaking of throwing the ball a lot, Mahomes threw it 68 times for 446 yards to score just 20 points. To pull out a win against Tennessee in overtime. Not ideal overall, but it's hard to argue with a win against a 5-3 and three team. Once again, we find Mahomes spreading the ball to everyone he can get it to, while we saw the entire offense of Tennessee go through King Henry himself. And finally, the yes. Ravens versus the Saints. The Saints saved a super embarrassing night by sort of scoring a long touchdown to Jawan Johnson that I still think was probably out of bounds, but apparently in 2022, we don't have the technology to really tell if that was the case or not. Defensively, the Ravens looked as good as they have all season, and Lamar didn't need to do a ton to get the win. Kenyon Drake had the stat line, but watching the game, it did feel like the offense was missing Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman because they were. Yeah. Sorry, I totally said end and forgot it wasn't the end. I had it. I missed. Yeah, I thought you said and. And I was like. (laughs) Said end. And And what? It did sound like and. Um, But yeah, my fault. Honestly, I'm surprised it's the first time we've had an issue on the clock and 15 second frenzy. So we might have to do something out. It was a weird week. Yeah. Very weird week. Yeah, it was even weirder through the lens of. Fever dream. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't enjoy it um before we get into our main segment here i did have a random question that popped into my head as i was doing our show she did write it down um if you could move one nfl team which team would it be and where would you move them to i would move the la rams to st louis yeah that's one move i'm mad that they did because la shouldn't have two teams two teams they probably really don't even deserve one their fans mm-hmm. suck yep so if they should, if they were going to keep a team there, it should have been the Raiders. Sorry, I like no, having not, a team in Vegas. Sorry, but. I I said that poorly. Their fans don't suck, but for those listening on Spotify, your phone did not go out. Duncan stopped speaking because Abe left us a comment that says, "Anyone know what happened in the World Series?" I do, I do mm-hmm. know what happened in the World Series. Um, the Philadelphia Phillies handed the only two losses of the postseason to a team that no one respects or should ever respect because they cheated blatantly and somehow the players weren't punished at all. Um, mm. And you know what? I don't really care that we didn't win because we, we weren't supposed to be there. We weren't supposed to be there. Yeah. I, I just don't care. I wanted one good postseason series and I got a mm. World Series. So, congrats, Astros. You beat the Philadelphia Phillies. All right, enough baseball. Sorry. Enough baseball. But I agree with you. I think the Rams should go back to St. Louis. See, Um, I I would say I would fight Abe, but he messaged in our chat earlier that, like, literally earlier today, he put away two murderers. So, I don't, that's not, I'm not, that's not, no, that's not a good idea for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I I was mid sentence. 
LA fans don't suck. They just don't have enough to support one or yes. two franchises mm-hmm. because they just don't care about football. So there we go. Yep. I agree. Um, all right. But we're going to get into a segment we had last year, which I love. It is the mid-season end-of-year awards in which we go over some of the um, – not all because there are a lot more awards than I thought there were. I never, like, fully watched the NFL honors. But we're going to get into the big I don't watch awards. the NFL honors? Not really. Like, I kind of uh, just I used to, I love watching catch a lot of the clips. Honors. I love yeah, watching Yeah, usually I forget it's on that day, and then, like, we'll just follow up afterwards. So there's a lot more uh, awards than I – thought there were but we're gonna go over the big ones um let's start with one you added on i don't think it's a real award but it is a real award is it really yes oh i didn't know that okay don't make things up except when i do but in this case i didn't i'm like 99 sure it's a real award i don't know about that no you're gaslighting me i'm not trying to gaslight you okay sorry it was unintentional gaslighting is it still gaslighting if it's unintentional? I don't think so. I don't know. Okay. Either way, it's the Executive of the Year Award. Tell you were the one who added it. And it's I know Howie Roseman. It's you. Howie Roseman. Yeah. It's Howie Roseman, and it's easy. Mm-hmm. He not only has the Saints' uh, first-round pick that is looking to be top ten, if not better. He traded for AJ Brown for like yep. one first-round pick, and I think a third, which is ridiculous. Traded up for Jordan Davis, who was looking awesome before. Uh, his injury. He traded a bag of chips for CJ Gardner Johnson, who currently leads the NFL in interceptions. Um, oh, and he made a team worse that, oh, we own their first round pick. Um, Kaiser White was a great signing. Nicobe Dean fell to what the third round. You were just able mm-hmm. to grab him. Cam Jurgens in the second round looks incredible. Um, uh, the offensive line is firing on all cylinders. I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, James Bradbury. I almost forgot. Yeah, he's like one of the best two cornerbacks in the league. And oh, look at that. One of the other two best cornerbacks in the league is Darius Slay. Oh, what's that? They both play on the Eagles. Wow. Go look at their PFF rankings. It's like one and two across the board. It's kind of wild. Um, yeah, the team's pretty good. Oh, Hassan Reddick. Oh, and we just traded for Robert Quinn. All right, I'm over it. Next. You said James Bradbury in the I need, what's what's your what's your vote? It. You need to give your vote. My vote's Howie. Oh, okay, good. Do you have any particular reasons why or uh I will tell everyone to just rewind your thing a little bit and most of the reasons you said. My big thing though is the AJ Brown trained. Yeah. I honestly probably yeah. deserves it for AJ Brown alone with what AJ Brown's yeah. doing in the league right now, but yeah. Um, either way, I know for these ones, we were looking at kind of two ends in spectrum, what, who we think would be winning it currently. And if anything differs on who we think will win it, win it at the end of the year. So why don't we head to coach of the year? Who is your current coach of the year? Uh, Nick Sirianni. Nick is also my current coach of the year. What about your end of year coach? Yeah. So... I, so I debated with this. I still kind of think it'll be Nick Sirianni because even if they don't stay undefeated, I do think that they're going to end with the league's best record. And right now their offense is just so multifaceted and it's just fi- it, like firing on all cylinders isn't strong enough of a word because he just seems to have an answer for everything. And like, I swear, this is not me being Eagles biased. Like I, the, the okay. Howie one is me being Eagles biased. And I made that very clear, but also he's going to win the award. Um, 
But like truly, like Nick Sirianni is just doing a bang up job. And I don't think it's just him, but I also think that a good head coach knows how to get the best out of his coordinators and knows when to trust his coordinators. Um, and the offense alone is just doing incredible things and they're not turning the ball over. They have an answer for everything. So, yeah. Uh, but if it's not going to be him at the end of the season, I was debating between either Pete Carroll or Brian Dable. Mm-hmm. Yep. I will say one dark horse um, that I think has a chance at it is Robert Sala. Um, I think that there is a slight chance he wins it um, just with how, with how the Jets impressive. are performing, and especially beating the Bills. Um, but my end of year is Brian Dabble, um, mostly because the Giants haven't won this many games since 2016, and it's only the halfway point. He's doing it with an entirely depleted roster. Um, a quarterback most of the league would call questionable, and he hired amazing assistants, which I also agree with you is a huge part of – being a good coach yeah not to mention i mean that that award almost always goes to a first year coach a lot of the Mm -hmm. time and a coach that like greatly overperforms like what the expectation was in terms of their exactly and brian dable fits Mm -hmm. all of those uh whereas i think nick sirianni is going to kind of fall into that doug peterson category in 2017 where he Mm -hmm. deserved to win it over sean mcveigh but because sean mcveigh was the hot hire and they were such a bad team the year before with a different head coach yeah the the massive quick turnaround is what voters look for a lot of the time in coach of the year exactly uh exactly and i think i think the roster part is huge of it huge part of it too because if you have exactly if you have a team star-studded team you have expectations to do well a team that has no names on it is you know and is winning games is you know more of a storyline for that yeah i agree what about for comeback player of the year who's your current and do they Uh, match if they match you could just say the name uh yeah i'm gonna go both i'm gonna go geno smith i mine I refuse to give comeback player of the year award to a player who was coming back from being bad. I just refuse it. But no, he didn't come back from being bad. That's the thing. He came back from the NFL hating him. Oh, I don't care. Why do you hate Geno Smith? I love Geno Smith. I just, why are you so angry? Yeah, I know you wanted. What, what is the award coming back from an injury? That's, but that's not always what it's been. I don't care. That's what it should be. Well, I I'm, I'm not what it should be. What it should be is lots of different things. There's lots of uh, what it should be is Jeff Saturday not coaching in the NFL, but we're not talking about what it should be. This isn't the NFL. This is the NFL. We're not talking about what it should be. We're talking about what it is. Mm-hmm. If you want to pick Saquon, that's is. fine. He was my I second am pick. Saquon. But your argument for not picking Gino has to be something other than that's not what the award is. No, I just, I just, again, I don't think that's what the award should be. And again, you're, I don't care whether or not the league wrote you off. I, that doesn't matter to me. I'm upset with you. You were, okay, be upset with me. Okay. Okay. Tell me why it's Saquon. Um, he's consistently outperforming expectations for him as well. Going back from multiple injuries over the past couple of years, he's looking like his self again. Um, O-line has not made vast improvements, but he has. Uh, the uh, offensive line has obviously improved a bit. But I don't know. This Saquon looks like that special Saquon who we had in his rookie year. And why'd you pick Geno Smith? 
because the dude came out of nowhere and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, seemingly for no reason at all. Also, Ryan Tannehill uh, is a great example of someone who didn't come back from an injury. Yeah, I, won, I understand that 20, it does happen. It's just me personally. I don't think that's also Al- Alex that. Smith, like barely played. But he was the yeah. obvious answer. He uh, came back from an injury. Yeah. Yeah, he played in like three games. Yeah. Something like that. It yeah. might have been more than that, but regardless. Let's head into the bigger awards. What do you think for, let's do defensive first, defensive, eh, no, let's do offensive. Offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Yeah, for me, it's uh, pretty easily Kenneth Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, So not only is he just like amassing stats at a, crazy amount like in the last five weeks he's just been on a tear um he's also helping you know along with Juno smith he's helping lead this team to the playoffs like what are they five and three six and three i mean they're they're gonna make the playoffs they might win their division over the niners over the rams who are the defending super bowl champions like this team is legit no one was expecting them to be that and kenneth walker has looked even better than i think anyone could really imagine that it would be. And mm-hmm. I, I do think that if Brees Hall stayed healthy, it probably would have been Brees Hall. 100%. But uh, So I guess technically my answer right now is Brees Hall because he's only mm-hmm. been injured for like a week. But uh, yeah, end of the year is Kenneth Walker. Yeah. So I agree. I do think it will end up being Kenneth Walker. I will say in, in a lot of my research, I can see a path for Chris Olave to get there. But I think at the end of the day, it, bodes better for Kenneth Walker because the team is winning and outperforming what everyone thought they would. Um, And the kind of story he had to get there, you know, with Chris Carson retiring, Rashad Penny getting hurt, and then Kenneth Walker seemingly coming out of nowhere, um, who was expected to have no role and is now a leading back in the league. So I see why Chris Olave could have a path. I mean, he's a top 10 receiver in the league, not just of rookies. But I think at the end of the year, all being said, I think it's going to be Kenneth Walker. Yeah, and I think I think Walker is going to have an easier time keeping up what he's doing because the offense is going to run mm-hmm. through him. Whereas mm-hmm. I think Chris Olave, like wide receivers are just generally more inconsistent, yep. let alone rookie wide receivers, let alone rookie wide receivers in the situation that he's in, which is just horrible. Yeah. Um, and exactly. I do agree that he's incredible and he's mm-hmm. having an incredible rookie season. But I... I think there's going to be a couple stinkers throughout the rest of the season, and that's mm-hmm. going to make his case harder on a yeah. bad team. I completely agree with that. I want to go first for this one because I had so many stats that I want to read off. Um, yeah, so mine's the same answer, so I don't yeah. to say anything. Yeah, so defensive rookie of the year, I think the only answer is Ahmad Sauce Gardner of the New York Jets. Um, there were some stats I wanted to read off. So he has two interceptions on the season, one of them being this past week uh, against the Bills, which was entirely so crucial to the Jets' win against the Bills. He has 44 total tackles. Sauce is ranked number one on PFF for cornerbacks who have taken at least 80% of snaps. He leads the NFL with an 87.8 coverage grade, and he has not allowed more than 51 receiving yards in any game this season. That last stat to me is just wild and incredible for a rookie. He is somebody who has completely changed the makeup of that Jets defense and secondary who were in dire need of help at the, during all of last year. 
Um, he just has this presence about him and he makes it known every game. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not even, it, it's, it's barely even rookie of the year for him anymore. Like he's already one of the top cornerbacks in the league. You could make an actual argument for him being the best cornerback in the league right now with the way that he's playing. He is doing things that we don't see even really good. Like as much as I love Darius Slayer, James Bradbury, like Mm -hmm. they're not doing what sauce Gardner is doing, which is just a rate, like, erasing a side of the field erasing mm-hmm. a guy like whatever while if also you're like, paired with him in man on man you literally have no chance yeah it's it's he's doing insane things right now for mm-hmm. a rookie um so yeah i mean you're not gonna find a complaint from me i think yeah that's, that's the right i agree goal. we are gonna talk about this one next but if you were a voter could you make a case that he's defensive player of the year yeah, no, I think he has a case. I don't think he'll win it, but I don't I, think so either. But absolutely. I just wanted to know if you I, think there's a case. I think he'll get a vote. Like, I think there's mm-hmm. going to be someone that votes for him, and I think it'll be a rightly earned vote. But yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So, for defensive player of the year, who do you have on your list? Yeah, Michael Parsons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Michael. I mean, the dude is just he's he's ridiculous, and the way Dan Quinn is using him allows him to get the stats necessary to win an award like that. Like mm-hmm. people were already talking about him doing like getting defensive player of the year last year, similar yep. to Sauce Gardner really. Yep. Um, but he's like, he's, he's just ridiculous. He's, he's an incredible freak of nature. Um, he's good off the ball and he's good on the ball at rushing the passer. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just, he's really, 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 really good at football. Yeah. Um, I did leave a note in mind that basically, you know, I think Nick Bosa was probably his strongest challenger to win that award, but Nick Bosa missing, I think he's missed two games this season, kind of hurt his chances to be in the running with, with Parsons. Parsons has eight sacks, 14 QB hits, two forced fumbles, 26 solo tackles, 10 assisted tackles. He's been playing in several positions on defense, 39 pressures, 22 QB hurries, and PFF says he has not had a game with less than three pressures this season. So just all around. I think if I was a quarterback in the NFL, he's somebody I would be most afraid of seeing. This is really interesting, actually. He what? hasn't had a game with one sack. All of his games have been either zero two. He has or two four sacks. games with two sacks, yes. Yeah, every game has been either yeah. zero or two. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, so all of his, Nothing to all of his sacks come from multi-sack games. Yeah, That's a I really did notice that. Way of saying what I just said. Yeah, thanks. He's taking his stats, you're welcome. Um, I think we both agree on this one. Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, uh, Tyreek Hill. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think a big part of like a big part of awards in general, but also very specific, like especially like those top awards, like Coach mm-hmm. of the Year, MVP, Offensive, Defensive Player of the Year. I think a lot of it is storyline, and yes. like. It, it takes more than just being a really, really, really good player at your position. Mm-hmm. Like again, Darius like he's the having NFL. There's a lot of good players. Yeah, he's having an, mm-hmm. like Darius Slay is uh, having an outstanding season. He's not going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. It's just not unless he had more games like that Justin Jefferson game where he shut him down, had like yeah. two and a half picks. Don't ask me how he had a half pick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Tyreek Hill. That that's the reason that he is now the front runner for this award. On mm-hmm. top of the fact that his stats are insane. He's now doing it without Patrick Mahomes. He was a massive, massive storyline in the offseason when he moved to the Dolphins. There were all the storylines about Tua and Mahomes and whatever, and will Tyreek Hill still be the same? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the answer is yes. And not only that is he's putting up just ridiculous record breaking numbers. He's on yep. pace for over 2000 receiving yards, which yep. would set the NFL record um, of all time. And he's leading the NFL in receptions and yards. Like there's just, yep. and he's, and he's, and he's not doing it in like, I kind of in the way that we saw him do it in Kansas city last year. Like he's, it's consistent. He's weirdly consistent. Yeah. Um, so he's yeah. not a, or a bust anymore. He's a, you know, when he was yeah. with Casey, it was like, I don't want to say bust, but like these super boom weeks. And then these just average weeks for him. It's entirely consistent and it's happening. He, so what, like you were saying about storyline, he's made it work in a new system, but he's also had three different quarterbacks this year. He's had Tua Bridgewater and that rookie quarterback for a while. What is his name? Skyler. Skyler. Yes. Thompson. Yeah. Thompson. I, I said Sky and then my mind went Skymore. Skyler Thompson. So he's done it with three quarterbacks. He didn't really miss a beat when different quarterbacks came in. Um, and I think for these two, it's set on like precedent and history. And Tyreek Hill has already made history this season as the first player with 1,104 receiving yards in the first five. Uh, no. How many games have we had? Eight, right? I think I wrote five. Uh, eight games. So or not? I think the previous he beat. Yeah, he beat the person before him by like a hundred yards or something. Yeah. Sorry, he had nine. He's so, had nine games. Nine games. Okay. So he's already setting history this year. I think he's pretty much a, a shoe in for that award. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple other like decent contenders, like, mm-hmm. but it just, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the, certain things could happen that would mm-hmm. negate him getting it, but like, yeah, it would be hard for him to. Yeah, it, the hot streak he's on. It's yeah, tough. Yeah, that was very well said by me. Thank you. <laughs> um. So MVP, do you have the same person for current and end of year? I don't. Me either. So I'm curious, who is your current MVP? Patrick Mahomes. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I debated with it a lot between him and Josh Allen. They were my top two yep. choices. Uh, and really, I think, well, I think there's like three and a half choices at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my so my answer was Patrick Mahomes. And it's mainly because, like, first of all, he's on pace to break the all time passing record, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, in itself, not overly surprising. But also just like he's it's the same exact conversation that we had around Tyreek Hill where mm-hmm. he lost Tyreek Hill. That's a big deal because yeah. none of his receivers are like, like I, I, I'm, I'm sure one of them, I'm sure Juju is probably on pace for like a thousand yard season, mm-hmm. but like he's on pace for over 5,000 yards and no one on his team is on pace to like, you know, set the world on fire or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's just killing it. And like the, the big detractor there is he lost to the bills. He lost to Josh Allen. Um, that, hurts his case obviously mm-hmm. um but he's just he's, he's playing really well and he's doing it with a very like no run game to speak of for the most part no big names on the offense outside of travis kelsey um mm-hmm. and the defense is fine but i think that is really important when talking about the mvp is that conversation around like josh allen mm-hmm. has stefan diggs who's having an incredible season um, yeah. um so yeah yeah, I get that. I think my current one is Josh Allen. Um, 
I really do love something I read on PFF that says he's defeated three former MVP quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers. I think what hurts his case the most is that he lost to the Bills, uh, to the Jets, and that he is injured right now and may miss time. So I think for him, missing time is going to be a huge factor on if he's still in contention for this or not, because it's a tight race right now. Yeah. And so that brings us, uh, I do want to talk about one other person real quick before we get okay. to the, you know, who we actually think will get it at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Tua. Um, yes. So we are, we were talking a little bit about this before the, uh, before the show, his, mm-hmm. his stats are incredible considering he's mm-hmm. missed the games that he's missed. And mm-hmm. that offense has just been humming. He's supporting not only Tyreek Hill's incredible numbers, but also mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle having very, very good numbers. Uh, yep. I don't think he's going to win it. I think something would need to happen to really change that landscape. Yep. Uh, but like, I think he's a really interesting, like just, I don't know. He, I wish he could win it because of the season mm-hmm. that he's having, uh, yeah. but there's just too many things going against him, but he's, he would be my fourth choice right now. Yeah. So I'm assuming that means we probably have the same leader for MVP who would choose. Yes, yeah. So for the end of the season, that's Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah. So a, a couple of things go into that for me. One, Josh Allen being hurt, mm-hmm. like that's kind of me projecting forward a little bit. Yeah. Uh, um, because I do think that's going to hurt him. Patrick Mahomes, I have no clue if he's going to keep it up. If he does, great. Um, but either way, I would be shocked at this point if the Eagles don't end the season as the one seed in the NFC, and. Mm-hmm there's an even better, like they're probably, I think they are the favorite to end with the best overall record in the NFL. Um, And God forbid if they went undefeated, I mean, knock on wood, I don't want that to happen. To be honest, I Mm. I don't want to deal with that stress. Um, I'm already getting gray hairs thinking about it, but (laughs) Jay, the the big thing that helps Jalen hurts as of recent is he, he's become a lot less dependent on his rushing. Yes. Um, which is huge, I think, in the way that he's going to be able to measure up to Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen when you're mm-hmm. like when you're looking at the like when you're looking at the stats like at the end of the yeah. season. Um, like for instance, week weeks one through five, he had 17, 11, 9, 16, and 15 rushes in those games. The last three weeks, nine, two, and nine. Mm-hmm. Um, for significantly less yards. So that includes sacks, obviously, that includes uh, like kneeling at the end of the game and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But his passing, on the other hand, his last three games have been 128.9, 140.6, and 104.6 against that vaulted Dallas defense in quarterback mm-hmm. rating. And on the season, he's completing just under 70% of his passes, oh, wow. um, along with uh, upticks and some yardage when they're actually in close games and upticks in passing touchdowns. Whereas in the first... Uh, one, two, three, four, five games of the season. He had four total passing touchdowns in the last three weeks. He has eight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I already think that he's playing like an MVP, but the fact yep. that he's changing his style to a way that I think voters are going to be more pleasant toward, while also the yes. fact that they're winning games is only going to help his case. Yeah, I think you have to think of your makeup of voters and a lot of them are older and more set in their ways on, on the way the NFL used to be like a super pass heavy NFL. So being able to see him transition into a passer is incredibly important for these voters. At least I, I believe it is. Um, 
so all, all of what you said is also on my sheet for why I think he will end up winning. I think for me too, he's having a third year jump that, you know, comes close to Josh Allen's third year jump. He, yeah, he is. for me, it's also these, I don't, I hate using the word, but intangibles, you know, like this complete leadership locker room presence. He's, you know, all of these other things aside from what he's doing on the field. Um, and he just looks so incredibly smart and, is able to adapt not just in his game but in every other aspect um you know he's adapting with game scripts he's adapting with his style of play and he's come it looks like he has a hand in completely changing the way the eagles culture has been um, and i'm not saying it's bad in the past it's just different and new and very different vibes of years past um and i think that that is also going to have a huge factor. And I think he is the clear cut, you know, winner in, in those intangible categories. So I think, yep. you know, if it is close, that may come down to a tiebreaker like that. Josh, uh, he Jalen hurts has it over Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And when you just look at schedule, it's more likely that the Eagles mm-hmm. lose less games over the rest yes. of the season than the bills of the chiefs, yep. just based on like strength of schedule, which mm-hmm. is another notch in his favor when you're going to be looking at the record. And also just because I was curious uh, when I was kind of thinking about this, thinking about Lamar Jackson's uh, MVP season, mm-hmm. because that's I that would be that last comparable. Mm-hmm. So he threw for 3,127 yards, which, uh, Jalen, I think last time I checked was on pace for around 4,000 uh, re- mm-hmm. because of the recent bump. But the big difference is he threw for 36 touchdowns. Uh, last year, Jalen Hurts only threw for 16. Um, and that is a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he already has 12 this season. So, like, that jump is a, is like, I don't think he would win it if he only threw 16, even if his stats yep. were incredible across the board, because that's just the way people think. Um, and Lamar Jackson, even though his uh, passing like numbers weren't like, you know, off the charts, he did have a 113 quarterback rating. Uh, Jalen Hurts currently has a 107. So like those are the important like stat yep. number things that people are going to look at and I think are probably important. Yeah. So, yeah. I agree with you. I think if the one push comes to shove also though, you know how sometimes they don't, elect an MVP who's like in the Super Bowl. What? I feel like that happens often. That like if Jalen Hurts goes to the Super Bowl, that there's a chance it might not be him. Well, they do the voting like a month or two before the Super Bowl. I don't know. I feel like it always works out that they're never in the Super Bowl. Maybe that's just something. They normally lose the Super Bowl. Do they? Matt Ryan won the MVP of the year. He lost. Tom Brady won the MVP of the year that they lost to the Eagles. Um, there was a long stretch of winning the MVP meant you were going to lose in the Super Bowl. Interesting. Nice. Either way, that about wraps up our show. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I got nothing. Okay. Well, then why don't you tell us where or tell our viewers where we can find you? Uh, you can find me tomorrow night in a theater watching me cry my eyes out watching Black Panther Wakanda Forever for two hours and 41 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, other than that, you can find me on Twitter uh, before it blows up, I guess, because Twitter is breaking because Elon is a madman. Um mm-hmm. I don't have a check mark, so don't fall for someone pretending to be me with a check mark, I guess. But I'm at MP Duncan75 until Twitter implodes. Then I guess yep. you can find me on uh, 
Instagram. Email. <laughs> yeah, email. That's fine too. I I don't know. I don't think anyone wants you to can, contact me that bad. If, to be if you really want to contact me, he he can give you his address and you can send pigeons yeah. to his house with mail. That'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. that's fine with me. <laughs> You can find me on the demise of Twitter as well at Ashley underscore Marie with two A's and Ashley. You can find all of my content, Duncan's content with the undroppables at the undroppables.com. And you can also have access. Listen, if Twitter implodes, you can have access to us and the entire undroppables team. If you are a patron and you can get that by subscribing to the undroppables on patreon.com slash the undroppables. That'll give you access to our premium discord channels with all of our undroppables you know, team members and all of the other patrons where you can ask start stick questions, uh, betting questions, overall football questions, and get to talk and hang out with us. Um, you can also find Duncan on Under the Wire, which is on the fantasy Sunday, football fantasy football Discord chat channel. Discord, um, mm-hmm. fantasy football chat Discord uh, okay. on Sunday mornings. Uh, we help you with the start sit stuff uh, starting at eleven thirty Eastern Standard Time, going right up until the wire at one o'clock. Perfect. I just love to bring that up because it's a very unique show. So either way, I hope you all, you can also find me in the theaters for Black Panther tomorrow too. Earlier than you though, for the first time. But bye everyone. Have a good week. That was a very sudden ending and I was not ready. Normally yeah, you have like another again? sentence. Yeah, can you? I could do it. All right. Bye everyone. I hope you have a wonderful week and have some good football. Go birds. <laughs>